welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Pastured Pig Podcast. I hope everyone is having a great new year. We were really excited to put 2020 behind us, but I'm not sure 2021 is very stellar right now. But regardless of that, let's uh, keep plugging along and let's make it a great year. Well, you may have been wondering where I've been, and it has been about a four-week hiatus and uh, took January off to really stop and, and do some assessment of the podcast. You know, it's been almost two years since I started the podcast, and in that time frame, we've had some great interviews. We've had, uh, I think, 58 episodes so far, and it's just been a real blessing to be a part of those. And looking forward in 2021, I want to take the podcast to the next level and even expand what we're doing with this platform. All of these interviews have shown me that there are great people out there doing great things with pastured pig operations, and I want to cast an even bigger spotlight on that. So here's what I'm thinking, what I'd like to do. First, we'll start with a podcast. I want to do podcast improvements. We want to do more interviews. I want to get back to a weekly schedule uh, instead of every other week or even taking these bigger breaks. I want to get back to a weekly schedule, but that takes people and topics. I need people to talk to, and I need topics to be thrown at me. I also want to expand the range of guests. I want to talk to processors. I want to talk to big producers. I want to talk to small homesteads. I want to talk to veterinarians that specialize in this area. I even want to talk to equipment producers that make the products that we use in pastured pig operations. I also want to incorporate additional research in the progress of the pastured pig industry. So kind of think of it as a, a news update. Uh, let kind of keep our finger on the pulse of the pastured pig industry. There's also areas I want to go beyond the podcast. Beyond the podcast, I want to create what I've called the Pastured Pig website. And on this website, I want it to be a repository, first and foremost, for all the podcast episodes and notes associated with each episode. But I also want it to be a resource for information, products, and data pertaining to the industry. And the thing I'm most excited about, and I, and I hope you would be excited about it too, is I want to create the Pastured Pig Directory. So just imagine this directory listing nationwide that would include things like pastured pig operations uh, organized by state, by breeds, by products offered. You know, do you just do customs? Do you do cuts? And then services offered. Are there, you know, there breeding options you do, rent a bore, those type of things? also want to have a directory listing of veterinarians who have experience specifically in pastured pigs. So if you're in need, you can go to the website and look, is there a, is there a veterinarian in my area that, that Troy has listed on the website that could give me some assistance uh, should I need so? A directory listing for AI sources. Those of you that are looking for uh, AI to, to breed your sows, be able to find a directory there. There's all the AI options across the country, specific breeds, shipping recommendations, limitations, those type of things. And also want to list feed sources. Uh, these, these mills that, uh, that are lifeblood of our pastured pig operation, uh, but, but group them by conventional, by non-GMO, by organic, soy-free, etc. 
so this directory would, would be an opportunity for everyone who listens that has a stake in the pastured pig operation, or a pork chop, I would say, would probably invest in the pastured pig operation world, to be able to be represented on the website at, at, a, at a basic level, at least. As things grow, though, there's, uh, and, and as, as we get things rolling, I want to also provide these opportunities for landing pages for small farms that can't yet justify websites. They can't justify the expense or the time to manage. But it'd be an opportunity to come to the Pastured Pig website, and maybe it's something like the pasturedpig.com forward slash ABC farm, and there's a landing page about your farm and about your products. And I also want to create a social media group that focuses on all of these efforts. And I don't want to take anything away from those other groups. There's great groups out there. We still want to be a part of all those. But then provide a group, though, that just focuses specifically on what we're talking about in this arena at this time. So that's a lot. And I may be reaching out to some of you to help me with this if you're interested. But if things really grow, then we're looking at additional features beyond that, like full podcast transcripts, video audio tutorials on how to set up and market your farm business, management tips and tricks, and a variety of other great content that I have in mind. As with everything, though, these lofty goals require two things. They require time, and of course, they require money. In order to get this ball rolling, I have launched a Patreon account, and I'll provide links down in the show notes. The implementation of these features will be based upon support. I want to reinvest your support into the podcast and other features. One thing I've noticed over the last two years is the podcast is really too niched for me to be able to pick up big sponsors to pay for all these ideas. Uh, and, and quite frankly, I don't want to take a 45-minute podcast and turn it to an hour-and-a-half podcast due to being filled with ads. I just, I just don't like that. I do make this promise to you, however, I will not take away from what we have already established. We will still offer great complete interviews on the podcast, even if there is zero support. So if this goes nowhere, we'll still keep doing what we're doing. Uh, I just really want to see if you guys would partner with me and help uh, take this podcast to the next level. Your support will allow that to happen. My goal is to see everyone have a chance to be represented on this platform. So whether you're a small homestead and you're just trying to produce some extra product or you're a full-blown operation and you just want to have the support of the community, I want to be out there for you. Well, thanks for listening and thanks in advance for your support. Now let's get on to our interview. I'm excited to have a, uh, a, another guest that we're going to interview on our podcast tonight, as is the usual forum. And uh, our guest tonight is Nathan Alanak from All Family Farm in Mamakating, New York. And he's really giving me some tongue twisters here with some of these names. So welcome, Nathan. How are you today? Good. Thank you for having us tonight, sir. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with me and uh, anxious to hear about uh, your farm setup up there. Well, first question I have to ask that I ask everybody, it seems, especially this time of year, is uh, what's your weather like up there in uh, in upstate New York? Well, to be quite honest with you, um, you know, it's, it's been uh, quite mild for us up here. Normally, you know, we start getting the snow coming in, uh, you know, a month earlier, but it's been quite mild. The cold temperatures are just starting to move in right now at 20 degrees at night, which obviously that starts bringing challenges your livestock when you're starting to deal with them during the winter time uh, versus, you know, your, your warmer climate weather. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 
some of the other New Yorkers we've talked to here recently uh, expressed some uh, some issues this summer with a, with a drought. Did you all experience some drought conditions or dry conditions? Uh, we, you know, our, our farm, we really didn't have to deal with too much. I know there were some concerns about the drought. That, that leads more towards, you know, the crop uh, farmers up here that are dealing with the crops and whatnot, the livestock, you know, the drought really didn't affect us too much to the degree where, you know, we still had our well water, you know, the streams were still pushing. So I think it was more uh, directed towards, uh, you know, your, your, your crops and whatnot that were being grown here in New York where they had some issues with that up here during the summertime. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So um, tell me a little bit about All Family Farm. Give me your 40,000-foot elevation uh, description of that. All right. Well, um, All Family Farm, we got that started, uh, my wife and I, um, back in 2019. We've been open roughly two years now. Um, we were both service members. Uh, my wife served in the U.S. Army. Uh, I served in the U.S. Marine Corps. Um, I'm also a full-time employee for the New York City Fire Department in the city, as well as a full-time farmer. Um so I got two full-time jobs. Um, wow. At Old Family Farm, uh, my background, a little bit about myself, I was born and raised in uh, the state of Maine. Uh, I grew up with my family in Maine in a small town called Wyman. Uh, we raised uh, black Angus cattle as well as the same pigs that we're running here at Old Family Farm in New York now, which are a heritage breed, which is called uh, the Berkshire uh, pigs. And my wife is originally from uh, the Caribbean islands. Uh, she's from St. Lucia. She's got a little bit of background in farming uh, with her family, uh, which is a little bit different in the Caribbean islands than how we farm here in the U.S. Uh, but she's got a little background on that. So we have uh, three children. Uh, one right now is 21. He's serving in the U.S. Marine Corps. And then we have a daughter and a son that's 11 and 12. And they help us out here at the farm. And we just, we decided that, you know, this is something that we want to bring our children up with the values of, you know, healthy food. Um, I know we're really starting to try to push that. We're part of the, uh, the actual uh, Veteran Farmer Coalition, which is nationwide where a lot of veterans are coming together now. And we're trying to do, whether it be uh, crops or produce, or livestock for meat quality. Uh, we're really trying to push that and get away from these, you know, large kill mills that are nationwide or ordering our farming, taking the farming out of the U.S. And, 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 and basically getting it from overseas. We're really trying to push that across the country right now. You know, homegrown for the heroes, we're actually trying to push, you know, our farming to bring it back to people and bring a quality food to the American people, um, and it goes back to the stem of, you know, we served our country, foreign and domestic, in the military, and now a lot of us veterans are now trying to serve our country with getting the farming back in the U.S. and, and being able to provide a product to our communities, uh, which really stems my wife and I with starting all family farms and, you know, producing a quality pork to our community to be able to, you know, give that to them. And that's how we basically got started, Troy. You know, we really, it, it's a passion. You're not getting rich in farming. I know that from my family.
able to provide it for the people in our community. Yeah, wow, that's great, definitely. And there's there's so much to unpack there that I want to back up a little bit and uh, and ask ask you first of all, how did how did a how did a Marine get an Army grant to marry him? <laughs> I, I I have no clue. I just have been truly blessed. I mean, listen, we do have the controversy in the home of the, both the branches. Yeah. But as everyone knows, uh, the Marine Corps is the best. So I mean, we, 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 we tend to have those controversies at home. But I, I just got blessed, and I was very lucky to, you know, landfall with uh, the, the Army soldier. And she's put up with me, and, and she, she's trucking along. Yeah, I would say so. I think you definitely have a keeper there. Not only marrying a Marine, but if she was born and raised in the Virgin Islands and now you have her in the middle of New York, then uh, she's she's very tolerant of, of change, it sounds like. <laughs> I, I, I got to keep the wood still going all winter long. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. Now, I, I do have to say, too, you, you mentioned something there. Did I hear you correctly? You're a full-time firefighter in New York City? Uh, yes, sir. I'm a full-time firefighter in New York City in the Bronx. Wow. And then I do full-time when I'm on my off days. I'm running this place up here with my wife. Wow. Mercy. So I assume that that's, I guess, somewhat of a logistics issue from uh, from the farm to the city. Very much so. Um, but like I said, luckily I have the Army soldier that's up here holding down the fort when I'm gone. Right. Because uh, she really... She really takes care of a lot of the stuff when I am not here. Uh, but also, she is also a uh, full-time counselor as well. So we both have two full-time jobs. All right. Well, okay. So I, I guess it's kind of stupid to ask, what do you do in your spare time? Because it doesn't sound like you have much. <laughs> spare time is allotted to the children and trying to find that family happy balance, you know? Perfect. Yep. Awesome. Good deal. Well, tell me a little bit about All Family Farm specifically, uh, you know, kind of the size, topography, um, you know, history of the land, just, just, just rough. You know, has it, was it a farm? Is it something you all had to rebuild, put a lot of infrastructure in? All right, so what we did is um, we actually, as you know, you know, being young, and we are living in one of the most highest tax uh, states, and, and, and the, the, the cost of living up here is very uh, high. Uh, land is very expensive, uh, which is why we only have about six acres up here in the lower uh, Catskill region of New York. Um, as you know, the closer you get to New York City, the higher the land cost is. Um, so like I said, right now we're only on six acres. We purchased actually a home, in, um, which is actually we just applied for our ag district, uh, which we're getting approved by the Sullivan County Legislature. Uh, that we're being approved for our ag district because they're very happy and impressed with what we're doing. Um, we purchased our home, and there were no structures. There was no fencing. There was nothing here. Um, we have basically built from the ground up. Uh, right now we have, a, um, we have one barn that is completed, which was completed last year when we opened. That was originally built for a feeder farm, uh, uh, feeder pig, uh, for market. Uh, but now we actually are in transition of utilizing that as a breeding house in 2021. Uh, and now we are in the process of completing our other barn on site, which will hold about 40 to 50 hogs. Um, 
be where our feeder pigs will be relocated, and then our present barn will now become a breeding house for our bird feeders. And basically all the fencing, all barns, all infrastructure has been built by the blood, sweat, and tears of me and my wife um, and a couple friends that have came up and assisted us with getting the infrastructure built. Um, so nothing was really here at first. Um, it basically, like I said, we're probably an hour, we're about an hour and 45 minutes north, 80 miles north of New York City. Uh, we are just above Orange County, which is a very high county where a lot of people that work in the city live. Mm. Uh, we're in the southern portion of Sullivan County, which is better known as um, the Southern Catskill region, which is the Catskill Mountains. Um, so we're about, like I said, 80 miles from New York City. We have a lot of people at commute from up this way to New York City to work. Um, the reason why we're expanding so quickly is because uh, we have a farm store that we built on site as well. Uh, we sell retail cuts. We also sell holes and halves. Um, we haven't really got into the holes and halves yet because uh, a lot of people are just interested in buying retail cuts from us. And we also sell to another farm store that is located in Otisville, which is probably about 15 minutes from us. Uh, they're a lot larger than us. It's called Freedom Hill Farm. And they actually sell our meat in their farm store as well. And we also, what we do with them, they are a raw milk dairy farm. They sell raw milk to the community. And what we do is we actually take any, we average about 270 gallons of raw milk about every week, week and a half, that we mix in with our grains that we actually feed our pigs. Mm, yeah. We're kind of like, uh, you scratch my back, I scratch yours with Freedom Hill. They help us out. We try to do what we can on our end to help them. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great uh, symbiotic relationship there, being able to uh, share product and, and move product. Yep. Well, it, so it sounds like geography-wise, uh, you know, the challenges you said facing with you know, taxes, high rent district, all that type of stuff, but the benefit, it sounds like, you've got an incredible customer base that uh, is, is a good demographic when it comes to affording your product and recognizing the quality of your product and justifying that. Is that, is that working out for you that way so far? Well, this is a thing, Troy. One thing we've noticed, my wife and I, like I said, when I was in Maine, my brother and my family up there run Berkshires. Um, I know, the, uh, the, to be honest, the American culture hasn't been very familiar um, with the Berkshire breed. Um, I think they also, a lot of people have, you know, as you know, go to Costco, they go to Walmart, they buy their cheaper meat. One thing I've noticed, um, which we're living in now with this COVID uh, pandemic or what have you, whatever anyone wants to call it, because uh, everybody has their views on it, um, it has really put the normal retail stopper that goes to Walmart or or Costco to purchase their meat, they're now reaching out to the local farmer to produce their food. Um, so with the Berkshire breed that we went with, we noticed even going into New York City, which 
we are obviously not charging the price that it's going for in New York City. But like I said, the American public is not familiar with the Berkshire breed. Uh, they're starting to jump on board with it. We've noticed the Japanese and Asian culture is very high on it. We've had a demand from them on this breed because they know what breed it is and the quality of meat that it is. So we've had customers drive all the way from Brooklyn, 80 miles, come up here and purchase meat from us because our prices are lower than what the city is charging. Uh, the Japanese supermarkets in Manhattan right now are charging about $25 per pound for Berkshire pork. <laughs> wow. We don't obviously charge that price up here in Sullivan County, which is why we're getting city folks driving 80 miles to our farm store to buy our pork because they're finding out about us. We also have local people that obviously come. They've now tasted the quality. And as we say, let us get the meat in their mouth. And once they start eating that pork, we don't even have to sell it anymore to them. We've now sold it to them because they want that quality pork. They've tasted it. And they know what they're getting. They know the quality meat they're getting for the price they're getting it for. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and that's that's definitely where the uh, the product speaks for itself and convinces people that it's it's worth the time and effort to uh, to buy that versus uh, you know, commodity pork that you would get in the store. Correct. Okay, so uh, how many? So you're you're sounds like you're two years into this, but you've got the experience you set up in Maine. But how many uh, how many hogs are are you running or planning to run? Uh, you know, what was your processing schedule last year as far as the number of, of head that you processed? Well, like I said, Troy, we started off slow. We started off steady. We didn't want to jump in too fast. As I know, doing farming in Maine, you don't start off with 100 head and push yourself because then what happens is you're ultimately setting yourself up for failure. Um, when we started out uh, back in 2019, um, probably once we got our infrastructure set up in March of 2019, we basically went out to a purebred Berkshire farm, which breeds them up in uh, Binghamton, uh, New York. Patterson Creek Farm, they breed nothing but purebred birds. So we purchased our first uh, six feeder pigs from them. That's it. And we processed all them, let me see here, I think it was later in 2019, it was about seven months after uh, we got them in probably April, so the first time we had meat on site at our farm was December of 2019. That's when the first herd was processed. Um, two of those hogs were sold cold uh, to Freedom Hill Farm right off the bat. So they could sell that pork in their farm store. Uh, we had the other four processed and were sold in January 2020 here in our farm store. At that point, we went from six pigs to 16 pigs uh, because we knew we had to up our game to be able to have the meat available. We went out to Shipley Swine Genetics in Ohio to purchase uh, four or five hogs for the beginning of 2020, because we ran out of pork so quickly, we actually had to buy pigs that were already almost ready for processing. We only had them on the farm for about two months before we sent them out for processing so we could build our retail cuts 
back up. Um, and right now, we had about, I would say, five slated for November. But because of, like I mentioned, COVID, um, all our USDA butcher places in New York or locally in Pennsylvania, we process in Pennsylvania. They're all roughly two hours away. Every USDA facility that processes farms up this way right now are booked from now until August of 2021. Wow, yeah. So when we book, book our butcher date, we supposed to have four to five hogs going down this month in November. We're completely sold out of meat right now. Um, so we wanted that November date, but our butcher couldn't get us into January, so right now we're on a holding pattern. Um, our goal, once we get the infrastructure done in March of 2021, we're hoping to have about 100 to 150 heads total for the year up here just to be able to that we need roughly about 80 heads uh, to supply our farm store and the farm store in Otisville and then we're looking to have about 40 head over overhead basically if anybody wants to order holes and half from us that way we have them available to our customers wow okay our goal is to push 100 to 150 head as of next year and then, obviously, we're still awaiting our ag district approval from um, the ag commissioner up in Albany, New York. Awesome. Wow. That's 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 a huge growth curve there. So l- let me ask you, so with a 80 to 150 head on six acres, how, how do you how do you manage that? How, how do you uh, obviously keep your infrastructure intact, give them access to pasture, all, all that type of stuff? How, how does that work out? Well, right now, what we're trying to do is um, I'm not sure if familiar with the uh, wagon wheel setup, uh-huh. pasteurized pork. Yeah. Okay. So what we do is obviously, like I said, the acreage, we're pushing to purchase 35, at least 35 acres across from the farm right now that's wood. Ah, okay. Um, our goal is to get a full wagon wheel set up across the street from us if we can land that 35 acres. Um, on our six acres, what we're doing is we're doing about a quarter of a wagon wheel down through the woods. Um, once we move our feeders down below to our new barn that we're building, um, we're looking to do a quarter wagon wheel, basically where we can push open certain pastures. Once they start wearing it down, we're going to move it to our next pasture. Then there's obviously, as you well know, a sacrifice lot that we'll have right outside the actual barn itself which is where we'll feed them through troughs with their grain and their raw milk mix. And that's where the water supply will be for them to be able to hydrate as well. That's where the sacrifice lot will be, which is anywhere between 150 feet by 150 feet, which will be the holding lot. And then the pastures will jet off from that, that holding lot. There'll be gates on the end to be able to open up that quarter wagon wheel. Yeah. Yeah, well, that sounds like a good setup. Yeah, and that, of course, that 35 acres is definitely going to be a game changer as far as uh, land access and, of course, being able to spread out that herd. Well, exactly, and that's why we're pushing for that. We've talked to the Sullivan County government. We're also working with the Farm Bureau here in New York uh, because, as we've explained to them, and they all know it as well, 
incredible and that's man that's exciting to hear that you know the the county government and the even the state government is is pushing to see farms grow and thrive you know you, you think about urban sprawl and historically that's normally not the case the government's trying to to kind of push it back and 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 not give uh, farming the intention it needs but that's exciting to hear that, that new york is actually having a well change of heart well there. let me correct let me just step in sorry to interrupt troy but no, that's i fine. want to make it quite clear because I know you're down on the Virginia line down there. Um, New York, the counties are very local. Local politicians, local government is really pushing for us. But speaking for Albany or um, and, 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 and I hope this comment doesn't hurt me, but as a U.S. Marine, I have fought for this country. I have served this country. And I will say this much that our King Cuomo governor up here, I cannot speak on his behalf on how much he supports the local farming industry in this state. Gotcha. I will not back I will not back and support Governor Cuomo in reference to supporting the local farmers. Now I do testify that Governor Cuomo would be very adamant on pushing corporate farming up here in New York, but Local farming, I don't see him helping or backing or putting anything in place to support us. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so so as as is usual, it sounds like they, a, a regional element, a local element understands what's going on. Uh, the state level, national level really doesn't have a clue. Um, that makes sense. You would probably be very accurate on state nationally. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I, I think all states seem to have that uh, similar situation, although... I know we struggle down here sometimes. Well, the, well, the, the processing situation is is being experienced everywhere. But our our governor decided, to, our Department of Ag uh, director decided it'd be a good idea to try to bring a, as much Midwest beef in as possible to keep our processors busy, not realizing he was going to absolutely slam local producers. So, yeah, what are you going to do? Correct, and that's the problem, and that's one thing that this homegrown for heroes. We're really adamant about trying to take care of the local farmer and not the corporate farmer. And that's what I'm trying to educate people on. There is a big difference between local farmers and corporate farmers. And that's where I think the, the general population needs to be educated on. Yeah. Well, let's 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 transition to that a little bit, Nathan. I, I, I really like that uh, Homegrown for Heroes. We've had a couple other uh, people come on the podcast in the past that uh, that are, are taking advantage of some veteran initiatives there. Uh, you'd mentioned the the awareness raising aspect 
of Homegrown by Heroes. But but what other benefits are there for any of the veterans that may be listening that are that are trying to do the same thing? Well, one, if they are a veteran, they need to reach out to you know the, the Homegrown for Heroes, the, the Veteran Farmer Coalition. They will help you. They do guide. Um, I know the, the general population is very supportive of it. Uh, one, because as you know, most Americans are very supportive of their veterans and their military personnel. Um, that would be their first step. Reach out to them. They're very helpful. Um, it's a good organization. It connects you with other veterans that, excuse me, that connects you with other veterans that are farming. And the biggest thing is with local farming and with the veteran organization, if you connect with them, they're going to reach out to you. They're going to give you pointers. They've got the experience. Anything in this world, you're not, you're not learning through trial and error. Learn through experience. Get the, get the advice from people that have already been down that path. They've already made the mistakes. They've already made the achievements. Secondly, Homegrown for Heroes, they and the Farmer Veteran Coalition, every single year, they donate $5,000 grant to a veteran farmer. Kubota Tractors, Kubota Tractors, I'll say again, they are supporting the local veteran farmers. They they also grant a veteran farmer every year, not one year, every year, a mid-sized tractor. They are supporting them to help them out, given to them. Secondly, out of 50, I want to say another um, 50,000 vets that are a part of this, get a $1,000 grant through tractor supply. Tractor Supply is supporting the Homegrown for Heroes. They give out $50,000 a year. And that's $1,000 for each veteran. We actually got it granted to us. We applied for the $5,000 that we needed for our, our, hog, uh, our hog barn structure. We did not achieve that this year, but we were granted a $1,000 grant from the Veteran uh, Farmer Coalition. For a thousand dollars, which was supported by tractor supply, and we're able to purchase gates through them at no cost to us because they pay for it. Um, it's a good financial help that they do to the veteran farmers. They also, like I said, put you in connect. A lot of states are also um, they have like a let's say New York. It will be a New York farmer. Veteran Coalition. So now I'm actually speaking to the general people that are running the New York Veteran Farmer Coalition. I told them I want to get more involved. Um, so I'll probably be a point of contact in New York State for that. That way those veterans that are starting out, they can reach out to people like myself and they can find out who's connected. And that way you become a bigger organization to be able to support each other. And actually go up against, you know, these big corporate farms and stick together. That's excellent. Man, that's some great info there. So, so yeah, I, I know we've got uh, quite a few veterans that are actually listening uh, that uh, that are uh, partaking the podcast. So, so y'all be sure to uh, check that out if you haven't already. And I, I do have to say, I, I am familiar, and I, I didn't actually put the pieces together, but... Um, 
a good friend of mine, a local farmer here in central West Virginia, he was the recipient of that Kubota tractor just uh, just last month. He, um, there you go. Yeah, he it uh, he he did some uh, some great promo on his Facebook page about it. But yeah, it's it's a beautiful Kubota. Really helped step up his game on his farm here in central West Virginia. And I'm looking at his page right now. Yeah, Farmers Veteran Coalition right here. It says. So uh, that's uh, that's definitely proof that uh, that they are doing some great things there to help out veteran farmers. We we'll definitely have to maybe get uh, uh, maybe with your help, Nathan, we'll get some uh, some of the uh, national level affiliates or the uh, spokespeople from the uh, coalition. Maybe we can get them on the podcast as well. Yeah, I would I would love to help you out with that, and also any any veteran farmers that are looking for information or they need some assistance to that. As you know, Troy, we're available. Um, they can reach me, you know, at, you know, allfamilyfarm um, at gmail.com. That's our email. They can reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to assist them and point them in the right direction. Um, and like I said, Kubota and Tractor Supply, they're on board with that organization, and they've been a great help to the veteran farmers and, and nationwide. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, let's, uh, if we could, let's segue back around, and, and I don't want to take up too much mo- more of your time here, but let's circle back around to your farm setup. So we talked about here within the next, wow, within the next year, you're going to hopefully move up to 80 to 150 head, and it sounds like you're going to be doing, uh, with your breeding sauce, you're going to be doing some farrowing there as well. So your, your plan is to go full uh, farrow to finish with that many head. Is that correct? Correct. We're looking, what we're trying to do is we want to sell our own birds here. As you know, Troy, obviously that's the, the overhead cost of purchasing feeders. Because the Berkshire breed feeders, they're running anywhere between $150 to $175 to purchase one of those pigs right now as a 20-pound pig or 25-pound. Right, right. Um, so what we're looking to do is we're going to be ordering, um, we're going to do AI um, with our registered um, birds. Uh, we plan on doing AI with them and ordering semen from um, um, Sipley's mm-hmm. Flying Genetics. And what we will do is we'll do AI here. We want to feral them to finish. Uh, obviously, if our cells can't produce the livestock numbers that we need, we will use what we can get from our cells but we will also continue to purchase Burke through our breeder uh, up in Binghamton uh, at Patterson Farms um, if we need to purchase feeders as well. Yeah. It's a combination between farrowing and purchasing feeders as well. Good deal. All right. All right. So along those same lines, if you could look down the uh, – if you had a telescope to look forward ahead, what's the next – five years look like so do you do you see exponential growth do you see this capping out what what would be your five term or five year uh, short-term goal there well i'm going to be honest troy when i got started with this i wasn't looking to get to the level that i think we're possibly going to be at in, in at the end of 2021 in the beginning of 2022 i didn't think we'd be pushing as much as we are um my goal is to remain, you know, a local farmer and produce for local community. Um, like I said, the key word here is I want to continue to be a local farmer, not a corporate farmer. We 
believing in a God can to basically lead us down the path of where this is going to take us. And that's basically why we live our life here with our farm. Um, you know, we both are Christians, and we believe that, you know what, God has a path for everybody. And I believe that he put this farm in our hands, and he's truly guiding us down the path that he wants us to. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, man, that is great. Well, um, I have to ask you, it's the one question I ask everybody on the podcast, and uh, I can't let you escape without answering it. So uh, in your experience so far, what is the best part or best experience about raising pigs on pasture? I would have to say anything, not even, you know, counting out the pigs on pasture, and I know that's what you're centered around, which is why I'm on here with you tonight. But I think farming brings back whether it be pasteurized pork or whatever livestock or whatever, you know, crops that you're raising, I believe it brings, uh, you know, the morals back to a hardworking family. It brings unity within the family. And it gives appreciation for your young children to realize what hard work can really bring to people and the joy of being able to, you know, be with the animals, and this is where we get into, you know, your local farming. You know, these animals are sacrificed for us to enjoy and consume. And they have the right to be able to enjoy the short lives they do have. And that is blessed by the family that is caring for them and how they are being farmed. And that's the best part we get out of it with our children and me and my wife going out and spending time with these animals, feeding these animals, and caring for these animals, and knowing that when they are sacrificed on that day that we actually have to do, which is the worst day in a farmer's life, that he has to send his livestock off. But in the end, we know the product that we're giving back to our community, and we know it's healthy, and we know that it's healthy for them. Well, well said. Well said, definitely. Well, man, that's that's great. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on the podcast and talk with me. I want to say, obviously, uh, thank you and your wife for your service in the military. And uh, God bless you and, and be careful with what you're doing there in New York. My goodness, that's that's not a uh, that's not a job that doesn't is not uh, absent of, of, of concern and 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 uh, issues there. Being a fireman, my goodness, a very dangerous job. So we appreciate what you do there. And I appreciate you sharing all this information about the uh, the Veteran Coalition. Yeah, and Troy, listen, for yourself, feel free to reach out to us at any time. We're always available. And, and you know what? Any of your podcast listeners, like I said, you can give them our you know, website, email, Facebook. They can reach out to us, and I'd be more than happy to share any info with them to help them out in their endeavors and, you know, pursuing pasteurized pigs. Um, or, or farming in general. Uh, obviously, we specialize in pasteurized pigs, uh, but obviously any questions, I can try to help out as much as I can on my end. And, and like I said, it's, it's about the, the farming community and getting back to you know, our core values in this country and, and, and the core values of local farming as well. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, for those of you listening, I'll post down in the uh, show notes 
the, uh, the website for Nathan, so you can check it out. It's allfamilyfarm.com, but I'll post uh, information down there so you can find him easily if you have questions, you want to reach out to him. Well, Nathan, I'm going to let you go, and man, I, I pray you have a great rest of the week, and uh, just, just enjoy your time up there in New York. All right, thank you, sir. And listen, you, you have a Merry Christmas, and everybody else listening. All right, same to you. God bless. Well, I really appreciate Nathan coming on the podcast. Enjoyed that conversation. I uh, I love talking to New Englanders. They seem to have uh, just such a unique outlook on things. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this idea. I, I really hope you guys are. Um, again, if it if it doesn't go anywhere, I, I'm not going to take my toys and run away. Uh, we'll just keep on doing what we're doing. But um, I just want you to consider that if we take this to the next level, uh, there could be an opportunity for um, you know. For everyone to share in it. Uh, I, I really want to make this an opportunity for people to find a centralized location for a lot of things to do with pastured pigs. So check out the uh, the information down in the show notes. It'll have our Patreon link and then the Patreon page kind of explains in detail what we're doing. Uh, as with Patreon, of course, there's tier supports. And the, the neat thing about that is we can just keep rolling out additional tier options as things move along. Again, I'm not going to sugarcoat the fact that obviously uh, everything that I'm trying to do is going to require time and money. It's going to require me to balance that with my with my day job, and, and that's really where all this is coming is just the allocation of time and resources. Uh, as you know, we all only have so much time that we each can share and spend in areas. So consider that. Think about that. Uh, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions and you just want to know more. I really want this. In fact, I think there's one listing on on one of the tier supports where it's it's Patreon supported or Patreon voted. Um, I want you all to have input. We want to to guide this in a direction that is is group led, not just me trying to figure out exactly what everybody wants. So check that out, and um, we're gonna we've got some interviews lined up. So we're gonna get back into the rush here and and hopefully get some uh, some additional good pro- uh, content out for you guys. All right, well, I pray you have a good week. Take care, everyone. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.